Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast dedicated to the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. I'm your host, Scott Challoner, and today we'll be talking about a key facet of business, that's to say, naming your price. And here to address this topic with me are two special guests, Xi Bing Ang and Rory Sweeney, who are both senior directors at Simon Kutcher and Partners, a global consulting firm specialising in top-line power, which encompasses strategy, marketing, pricing and sales. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the programme and thank you so much for joining us. It's a real pleasure welcoming you onto the show. Now, uh, the both of you contributed to a piece in CEO Today magazine that was published last year, which talked all about this topic, pricing. And in that piece, you quote legendary businessman Warren Buffett, who once said that the single most important decision in evaluating a business is pricing power. And if you've got the power to raise prices without losing business to a competitor, then you've got a very good business. While on the other hand, if you have to have a prayer session before thinking about raising the price, you've actually got a terrible business. So that tells us that pricing power is critical. And there are statistics to back that up, that those companies whose executive boards are really pushing pricing as a topic, they tend to enjoy a lot more power and greater project margins for that. So why is pricing not actually at the forefront of sort of some companies and instead it's actually finding itself on the back burner as an underinvested area, do you feel? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point, Scott, and it's the reason we as a company are so passionate about this topic of pricing power. So to build on what you said earlier, we, we run a an annual pricing survey, an annual pricing study where we um, have found that C-level execs, companies where C-level execs actually take charge of pricing strategically. When they do that, companies tend to stand out compared to other companies where pricing is, is as you mentioned, put on the back burner. On average, where C-level executives are, you know, pushing the agenda of pricing, pricing power, which we define as the ability to raise prices without losing business to a competitor, was 35% higher. The success rate for implementing price increases was 18% higher, and EBITDA on average was 30% higher. So it's crystal clear that it is a topic that really belongs um, in, in the number one spot on the level um, agenda. Now, why is it an often underinvested area? I think one of the reasons is, unlike a lot of other topics in the company, pricing tends to be one where you cannot rely solely on internal data and internal expertise. Um, of course, internal data and internal knowledge is always useful, but pricing is one of those topics where it really is about going externally into the psyche of the customer of your product to really understand what the value of your products are and to then be able to truly price for value. And when we think about the various profit levers that there are, such as increasing sales volume, M&A, and cost reductions, what makes sort of adjusting pricing so effective compared to those even when you have got a good business? Yeah, well, in, in short, Scott, raising prices is so effective because pricing is the most powerful lever businesses have to increase profits. So as an illustration, a 5% improvement in price, so essentially a 5% price increase, 
fallout being equal boosts profits significantly more than a 5% improvement in any of the other levers. So examples of those are a 5% cut in variable costs, a 5% cut in fixed costs, or a 5% increase in sales volume. So there, we've got it the, the greatest potential upside, but what's also so effective about utilizing pricing of the profit lever compared to those other ones is that in most cases, pricing changes can be made and the impact realized in a shorter time period much lower investment and lower risks. For example, for some businesses, it can be as straightforward as updating a series of price points in the system and monitoring the sales reaction. And there is proof in the pudding with this, isn't there? Because within your own annual global pricing study, you found that when C-level executives in businesses are taking charge of pricing in a strategic way, companies tend to be a lot more successful for it. And there's a very innovative example of that in the Porsche company because they've got a very particular pricing strategy where they design the product actually around the price and that's proven hugely successful for their profit margins compared to others, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, indeed. Pricing is one of the highest priorities for, for Porsche C-suite, as you, as you said, and that design the price around the uh, design the product around the price uh, innovation approach has been so rigorously driven by the CEO and board that it's become an integral part of its culture. What is that? Well, Porsche is super disciplined at understanding customer needs, customer wants, customer willingness to pay for concepts before they actually fully develop or build anything. So what this means is that Porsche and other leading businesses that, that take this approach that we work with can optimally configure their product, think about how they sort of version and, and sell it, design their pricing and monetization models to maximize revenues and profits. And critically, most importantly, only build and bring to market services and products that they know or sell. Interestingly, from, from studies that we've done also, we know that about three quarters of all new products flop in terms of missing their profit target, either because of a lack of demand or when it comes to it, the price levels that are achieved in the market are, are lower than expected in, in a business case, for example. So I think this absolutely speaks to the importance of designing products around the price uh, and this approach offers broad lessons to, to many other companies in the market. Mm. And do you think that some businesses that are struggling in this respect, do those issues revolve around the fact that they're using cost plus pricing and they're sort of using the price as a marker of the cost involved in delivering their product or service rather than having it actually reflect the true value of that item or service? Yeah, that's a good question, Scott. If I mean, pricing is, is, is a big word and it's a bit of an umbrella term um, for us. But if you were to, if one were to try to really boil it down to boil, boil pricing down, what it really is, is the, the ability of a company to be able to truly understand the value of its products or services in the mind of the customer. Um, in terms of, you know, what's the willingness to pay, what's the value, what's the true value of the product and services. Now, ironically, the, this 
this deceptively simple thing is actually quite hard to do because, as you mentioned, because of cost. The way I like to think about it is there are there are basically two worlds, so to speak. There is what I call the cost plus world, which is where you have companies that sell products or services that have a a, a non-zero marginal cost, meaning every single unit they sell um, actually costs a certain amount of money to make. So examples include manufacturers or physical service providers. Here, there's always a psychological tendency um, to set prices based on a target margin, which is really to take the cost of building something, of making something, and add something on top. Now, by definition, this will always be suboptimal because it fails to adequately reflect the true value to customers, um, um, basically leaving money on the table, so to speak. The, the, mm. the second world is what I call the cost-less world. Now, it doesn't mean this is a world where businesses have no cost. Um, what it means is this is a world where businesses sell a product that has zero marginal cost, meaning it doesn't actually cost me any more to sell one more unit of it. So examples include companies that sell software, um, you know, online media subscription magazines, for example. The, the typical pricing pitfall here is, is is a bit different. It's the temptation to sell your product at really any price because you think, ah, I have no cost anyway. So every single pound or every single dollar I manage to sell it for um, is, is pure profit. Now, the problem with this is before long, if that if you take that too far, companies end up doing deals at all kinds of prices, low prices, high prices, deep discounting, which then once again gets you back to square one. It jeopardizes the true value of, of what you're selling. Mm. And we talked there about cost plus pricing being suboptimal. And to try and get around that problem, we're seeing more and more businesses now moving toward a form of servitization, aren't we, in the sense that they're selling outcomes as a service rather than focusing on those one-off sales? Yeah, absolutely, Scott. Businesses have switched from selling jet engines to selling flying hours and from selling tires to, to kilometers traveled. Um, and actually, Michelin's a really good example there. They began charging trucking fleets by mileage they drive with their Michelin tires rather than the number of tires they bought. Michelin developed a, a new tire innovation that essentially lasted much longer than previous generations did. So this form of sort of servitization and flipping the monetization model um, allows them to capitalize on that without um, sort of price competing with low-cost competitors on a per tire basis using the traditional model. I mean, that's a really good example. Uh, and what we're broadly saying is an increasing move from products and services being sold one-off, as you mentioned, to a subscription basis across all industries. So from coffee subscriptions to healthcare subscriptions to subscriptions for flowers delivered to people's stores. Um, and what's great about that is that serviceization and, and these recurring pricing models have many benefits both for businesses and their customers. So in terms of benefits to customers, those include convenience, um, instant gratification, people living now in that world that they wanted yesterday, uh, and helping with, with budget management. 
and then on the side of sort of business and, and commercial, what are the benefits there? Well, lower purchase barriers, moving towards a, a really high single purchase price to a more manageable recurring monthly or, or annual price, stickier and a more traditional and more predictable recurring revenues, which is really important in, in the world of um, a, a private equity, for example, mm. improve customer retention. And um, I suppose the last one I'd like to leave you on is really important is being able to build an ongoing and sustainable customer relationship beyond the transaction we're moving towards even more of a sort of data-driven world and by having that longer-term relationship so that, that can be used to um, offer future um, products and services. Mm. And thinking about the future, we're in sort of a period where there's going to be more recovery sort of post-COVID, but it's going to be a recovery path that's probably going to be non-linear, isn't it? And in order to sort of survive this crisis and be in a position to thrive afterwards, businesses are going to need to sort of bake in that commercial agility into their pricing, aren't they? So that they can make decisions with speed and with flexibility and adjust where they need to. So what sort of practical steps can business leaders take to make sure that they've sort of got that commercial agility right? Yeah, we, we, we kind of agree more with, with that statement. In fact, it's the central thesis um, that we've had as a firm um, when COVID-19 hit in terms of the implications on, on businesses, which is this is not about guessing um, you know, what will happen to your business. This is about preparing your business to be agile enough um, in, in pricing strategy, but really even you know, in broader commercial strategy deal with changes that are still to come. Um, if I take a step back in terms of you know how do we how, how we think companies should approach that, we talk about pricing every day. Um, but really pricing strategy is 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 a manifestation of just business strategy. So you know and we've mentioned earlier on this is all about making sure the CEO or C level executive takes charge. What that means is the CEO needs to really define at the very top level what the pricing strategy of a company is and have really, really clear communications of that throughout the organization because this ultimately translates into all functions. It translates into how companies build products, how they talk about their products, how they sell their products, and ultimately how they treat customers um, as well. So. That needs to stay the same. That remains important for CEOs and C-level execs in charge of pricing to, to set the direction. Um, but then underneath that, across the company, across all functions, um, pricing needs to become something more like a core organizational capability where as things change, as conditions change in, in the market, um, they are able to make swift changes to their pricing and swift changes to how they sell their products as, as well. And this, this covers all functions from sales to finance to product to product marketing and even to functions in, in the tech world, for example, of, of customer success and customer support where, you know, just how you talk to customers when something goes wrong is also part and parcel of defining what you are in terms of your price positioning and your price strategy. 
Mm. Above all, in irrespective of industry, sea level involvement and championing of pricing is absolutely critical, isn't it? So any business leaders that may be tuning into the program today, do not neglect that crucial role of yours. Take it on and try and reap the rewards as best you possibly can. Um, just before we do wrap up, uh, gentlemen, um, something I did want to touch on um, first and foremost is uh, what some of your priorities over the uh, the next 12 months at Simon Kutcher and Partners are going to be because we are in a moment where we're looking to recover from COVID and I imagine that what you're going to be doing is looking to help as many businesses out with issues just like the one that we've been discussing today. Yeah, maybe I can I can take that first and then throw it over to Rory. I think kind of tied to what I um, mentioned earlier about this notion of, of commercial agility. There are many things that haven't exactly changed but have been massively, massively accelerated by the pandemic. So, you know, disruption to business models is, is happening um, more and more, um, whether it's through digital e-commerce, whether it's through this intermediation of, of value chain, um, whether it's through entry of lower cost competitors um, or, or even, you know, exponential rise of technologies like, like artificial intelligence, machine learning. None of these are new. These all existed pre-pandemic, pre-COVID. But what we've seen is in the last 15, 17 months, every single one of these example trends have massively accelerated. And what that means is companies have had to scramble to react, scramble to change um, in order to be able to, to, to survive or, or, or to thrive. So the main priority for us as we speak to our clients um, is to basically ensure that everyone understands that the, the rules of the past don't, don't work anymore or don't necessarily work anymore and to, to be prepared to question um, and to, you know, tinker with all the, the previously held assumptions about what a company sells and how they price. Uh, and I think this will just continue to be more and more important in, in the next 12 to 24 months. Mm. Yeah, um, Scott, but my side echo actually being and maybe pick out two specific challenges I think uh, that we'll be helping prioritizing our clients with are one, the impact um, of inflation and then nicely aligned to, to sort of what Steve Bing just mentioned, I think the um, the impact of remote hybrid working. So to take you through those two, inflation's a hot topic right now. Um, I was reading even more about it um, this morning in the press and I expect to be, <laughs> be seeing, seeing that going to next year. So whether that's a cost pressure coming from raw materials, shipping, increased salaries, et cetera, will be supporting businesses protect their margins through, through smart pricing and, and communication there. And then in terms of remote hybrid working, um, I suppose two sub-trends have emerged under that. But customers increasingly favor e-commerce channels and secondly, traditional face-to-face -face sales team on sort of the sales side of transitioning to video calls and, and the world of Zoom. Um, so both of these means that the businesses will need to evolve, as Lee Bing uh, touched on, what they sell, um, how they offer and they, they sort of package and proposition it, how they sell it and um, how they price it as well. So um, I'm sure we'll be focusing and, and helping our clients there. 
Yeah, and you do have a hand in so many different industries, ranging from automotive to finance, through right through to travel, tourism, and leisure as well. So it's a very wide scale mission that you're on there. And if anybody is tuning into the podcast today, and you do feel that Simon Kutcher and Partners could potentially help your business with any of the issues that we have discussed, then you can certainly look up the company at www.simon-kutcher. That's k-u-c-h-e-r.com. Um, she being Rory, I have to say thank you so, so much for joining us on the programme today. I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed discussing the topic of pricing with you and we'll certainly be keeping an eye on how things are getting on over the next 12 months and I'd actually, given how interesting this discussion has been, maybe even love to welcome you back onto the show um, a year from now just to sort of look at what shape the recovery is taking and how that mission you're on is coming along to. Yeah, thanks for having us, Scott, and Absolutely, would, would, would love to, to touch base again um, next year. Yeah, it was a pleasure, Scott. Thanks for, thanks again for having us. Yeah, it's a pleasure welcoming you both onto the programme. And if you are a budding entrepreneur or business leader tuning into the programme today who would like to come onto the podcast to discuss any such issues relating to your business or the industry world at large, then please do visit leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. It was a pleasure welcoming Xi Bing Ang and Rory Sweeney from Simon Kucha and Partners onto today's show. And I do hope that you all thoroughly enjoyed the interview. Um, until next time, I'll be heading back to my usual spot in the Westminster Arms to raise a glass to outstanding leadership in the industry world. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll continue to enjoy our social freedoms as we enter into the colder months and head toward the spring of next year. Um, however, despite the fact that things are currently back to normal here in England, uh, please do continue to be careful, consider others and look after yourselves because it does make such a key difference in keeping people safe during these still quite trying times. Um, we are almost there. Things are looking promising, but let's just be cautious about how we move forward. Take care and goodbye. Until next time.